0: Hey everyone, it's Copeland Bell, your historical housekeeper. Welcome to Polish and Scream, where I document the historic homes I clean and the strange things that happen in them. This podcast is for mature audiences only. No little ear should be listening. So get nice and cozy, and let me tell you a story. Episode 7, The Penthouse Hello? I called out as the elevator doors jerked open. I stepped cautiously into a massive white and black marble-tiled foyer. I immediately noticed the exquisite round Duncan Fife table adorned with a simple crystal vase perched in the center. What I didn't see was my client. Is anyone there? I called out again, a little louder, my voice echoing off the high ceilings. I stepped a little deeper into the foyer, noticing for the first time the enormous expanse of windows overlooking the river. When I arrived at the gated retirement complex, the front desk clerk had been very brisk with his instructions, and in this moment, I prayed that I had pushed the right button for the correct floor. He had either said P or D, and I had been too flustered to ask for clarification. I began to slink back towards the elevator doors for a quick escape when I heard a razor-sharp voice cut through the silence. Good gracious, the time got away from me! A short, older woman with perfectly styled platinum blonde hair and bright red lipstick approached me, her wooden cane clicking with precision on the marbled floor. Come in, come in. You must be Copeland. I'm Agatha Banfield. Wasting no time, she motioned for me to follow her through the foyer and down a long hallway lined with oil portraits. I opened my mouth to ask about them, but quickly closed it as Agatha said, not family members, just a collection, as if she'd read my mind. I had to quicken my pace to keep up with Agatha. She reached the end of the hallway and opened a large white door, revealing a tastefully decorated parlor. Agatha motioned for me to sit in one of the velvet armchairs, and she hovered on the arm of its partner. She played casually with the pearls around her neck as she looked me over from head to toe. I waited her out, sensing that Agatha wouldn't welcome the interruption. She took her time sizing me up before speaking. Thank you for coming to give me an estimate. I know I was sparse with details on the phone, but I wanted to discuss my needs in person. I detest living in this glorified nursing home, and I've decided to move. I need a top-to-bottom deep clean of the entire place after my belongings have been packed. I see. Well, that should be an easy estimate. Would you mind showing me around your home, or would you like me to take a self-guided tour? I smiled at her. Once again, her warm brown eyes fell on me. I'd be happy to give you a tour. I'm exact in what I want, and I'd like for you to know the expectations prior to developing your estimate. Perfect. I nodded and rose to follow her. I appreciated her attention to detail. So many times, disagreements between service providers and clients come down to miscommunication or a mismatch in expectations. Agatha made quick work of showing me around her enormous penthouse. The retirement home sold long-term care condos. Agatha had clearly used her apparent wealth to customize it. Inside were reclaimed floors, custom woodwork around arched doorways, and a brooding European-style kitchen with dark greens and copper touches. After her tour, she brought us back into the parlor, where tea and scones were waiting on us. I looked around, a little startled, as I hadn't seen anyone else in the home. Jane, my assistant, made sure we had a little treat while we discussed price and I get to know you a little better, Agatha said, motioning towards the steaming teapot on the table. I sat down and noticed that Agatha was twirling her pearls again with her finger. The woman was immaculately dressed, with a fresh blowout and a full face of makeup. She glided even with a cane and made decisions and gave instructions effortlessly. Yet there was a nervous energy about her every time we came into this room. Moving is certainly an ordeal. How soon would you need the cleaning service, I asked, wondering if perhaps the move had stressed her. I was hoping you'd have availability next week. I've only ever moved once as an adult, from my lifelong home to this retirement community. My son and his wife moved into the Banfield residence soon after. It seemed like a wonderful idea. However, this location is not the right fit for me. My family is not aware of my decision. I can assure you they won't be pleased. However, they will not be invited to share their opinions. I can certainly understand. I moved without telling my family as well, I said before realizing what I had divulged. I didn't like sharing private details with clients, but it had just popped out. "'Bold moods are sometimes necessary,' she nodded knowingly. "'I'm curious, where did you get the Duncan Fife table in the foyer? "'Those are really hard to find,' I asked, trying to change the subject. "'A tag sale several years ago,' Agatha said, finally sitting down. "'My eyes must have popped out of my head because she continued, "'Yes, I have money, but I love the thrill of the hunt. "'Tag sales and thrift stores are some of the best places I find antiques.' You got a Duncan Fife table worth, well, I don't even know how much, at a tag sale? I said, forgetting that I was supposed to use my work voice. Absolutely. Did you see that copper cookware hanging in the kitchen? Goodwill. Forty dollars for the lot. I need to come with you one day. Maybe your luck will rub off on me, I laughed, only half joking. If I had good luck, I wouldn't be moving, she grumbled. Well, we can't have good luck every day, can we? I joked, sensing her tension rise again. No, no we can't. Agatha smiled sadly. I know it's not my place, but are you sure you want to move? Your home is lovely. Absolutely positive. It's not a good fit. I will reside in the guest home behind Banfield Residence. My son and daughter-in-law will have their space, and I will have mine. Living alone can be hard, I acknowledged. "'wondering how her son and his wife "'would feel about this new living situation. "'Oh, pish-posh, I adore living alone. "'Even when my husband was living, "'I would retreat to the garden or my bedroom for solitude. "'Living alone isn't the issue. "'It's complicated.' "'Agatha twirled her pearls again. "'Well, I'm a good listener if you ever want to talk,' I said, "'only half meaning it. "'I didn't really know what to say at this point. "'I kind of just wanted to get the estimate over. "'You're very kind, dear.' Are you single? I have such a handsome grandson, I'd love to set the two of you up, she beamed. I almost choked on my tea, coughing quickly before saying, I'm definitely single, but don't have much time for dating these days. That's really too bad. David is very smart, handsome, and has a nice job. Very kind, too. I'll show you a picture before we leave, Agatha grinned conspiratorially. I heard footsteps and the door opened behind me. I turned to see if I could catch a glimpse of the elusive Jane. No one was standing in the doorway. I glanced back at Agatha, only to see that all the color had drained from her face. Are you all right? I asked hesitantly. Agatha let out a heavy sigh and eyed me for several seconds. Did you hear those footsteps? she finally asked. Yes? Maybe you won't think I'm crazy then, she muttered. "Wait." Can't everyone hear footsteps? It's just your assistant, right? I gave her a long look. No, not everyone can hear those footsteps. Jane can't. My son and daughter-in-law certainly didn't when they were over last week. I don't know why you can, but you did, she said matter-of-factly. At this point, I was starting to grow concerned with Agatha. You can hear the footsteps, Agatha repeated. Yes, I can hear the footsteps, I said, resisting the urge to get up and edge toward the door. I really need to share this with someone who is not a medical professional, and you can hear the footsteps, Agatha said again. Medical professional? What was this woman talking about? I slowly started to rise from my chair. Cards on the table, Copeland. I'm fairly certain I've been cursed. Agatha looked at me with a wary eye. Cursed? Why on earth would you be cursed? I sat back down on my chair. Maybe she really did need to see a doctor. I'm sure you're thinking this lady needs to see a neurologist, but I assure you I'm fine, medically speaking, Agatha said. Could she read my mind? Could she hear what I was thinking right now? I just smiled and nodded for her to continue. Have you ever been around someone who knew they were going to die? She asked directly. Are you okay? I did not like where this conversation was heading. My husband, Richard, had a very rare blood disease. When we found out his prognosis, it was devastating. He was only 75, young and healthy. He played tennis every day, for God's sakes. It was quite a shock to the whole family, everyone except for Richard. He was so calm about it, ever the planner. Richard spent weeks getting his affairs in order, insisting that I go over documents with him, knew the passwords to all of our accounts, and knew how to arm the security system. Even in his last days, Richard was thinking of me. I was by his side constantly. I just wanted to soak up as much of him as I could. One evening, he told me he needed to share something. From his bedside table, he pulled out a thick portfolio and handed it to me. Embossed on the front was the same symbol that resided over our arched entryway, a half-moon with an arrow through it. This is the paperwork for Banfield Residence. It has been in my family since it was built. Promise me you'll continue to live in it and pass it down to our children on the event of your death, Richard said, and he had this desperate, wild look in his eye. Richard, this is my home. I'm not leaving any time soon, I assured him. But I don't think Jonathan and Lyra would want to move back from Boston, I reminded him. They will have to eventually, he responded. Swear to me that you'll never move. You must always live here. I couldn't for the life of me understand what had gotten into him. I assumed he was being sentimental. I assured him that he didn't need to worry. I put the paperwork away and didn't think much more of it. Richard died soon after. It wasn't until I actually read the documents that I understood what he meant. It was the strangest thing. In the deed, it spelled out that the oldest member of the Banfield family must reside in the home at all times. Travel is permitted for no longer than 14 days. It seemed ludicrous. After Richard died, the house just felt so sad. Too many memories. I couldn't handle it. Shockingly, Lyra and Jonathan agreed to take over the estate. I felt that this should satisfy Richard's odd request. I decided to move. He was gone and I was all alone. I knew that he would want for me to be happy. Agatha exhaled deeply and looked out the window. I'm so sorry for your loss, I said. It's so hard to lose those closest to you. It sounded like Agatha had been traumatized by the loss of her husband. Yes, thank you, she responded as she began to nervously twirl her pearls. I should never have moved out. What makes you say that? The deed does sound strange, but I'm sure it was just a family wish. You don't actually believe it's a curse, do you? Do you remember the flood last month? I nodded my head at the memory of wading through the grocery store parking lot in soggy sneakers. Well, that was the day I moved out. It poured and didn't stop. The movers wanted to call it off, but I insisted that we continue. It was wrong, I know, but I felt that if I didn't leave right then and there, I would never be able to go. Well, that was an unfortunate coincidence, I agreed, thinking of the poor moving men. I used to think it was a coincidence. Now I'm not so sure, Agatha said. It was at this point that I started to become wary. Agatha thinking she was cursed was alarming, but thinking she controlled the weather was next level. My first night here was perfect, she continued. Cozy, comfortable, and refreshing. Everything was new. I could turn the corner without thinking of Richard. But the next morning, that's when it started happening. I decided to take a stroll around the grounds and get a feel for the place. I met Janice that day, and she agreed to show me around. We were walking near the duck pond, talking about starting a book club when she looked over at me and said, Thirteen, out of the blue. What is thirteen? I asked her, thinking maybe it was the title of a book. Janice had no idea what I was talking about, and acted like I was crazy when I insisted that she had said the number thirteen. We've since smoothed it over, but it was very odd. The next day, the barista at the local coffee shop handed me my latte and said, Twelve. Once again, when I asked, she acted like she had no clue. This began to happen every day, a simple countdown from the most random of people. The UPS delivery man? My hairstylist? It happened every day. It got to the point where I dreaded carrying out even the most mundane of tasks. I was constantly tensing, worrying about who it might be on any given day. The most horrifying one was Jane. We were going over my schedule for the next few weeks in my office, and she leaned over and hissed, Three, in my ear. It took me longer than I cared to admit, but I finally pieced it together. I was being given a countdown. Fourteen days, and I must return to Banfield residence. "'Have you told anyone else about this besides me?' I said, realizing that I didn't know Agatha, and she was still grieving." Maybe she needed more guidance than a supportive ear from the housekeeper. Yes, I've spoken with my doctor and therapist. Both said it was likely stress related to Richard's passing. But I know that's not true. Agatha trailed off. A knock at the door made us both jump. A goddess of a woman in a dark blue power suit appeared at the door. Excuse me, Agatha. Would you like more tea? No, thank you, Jane. I'll be finishing up soon, Agatha soothed. Jane's icy gaze slid to me, and I lifted my chin ever so slightly. Very well. I'll be in my office if you need me, Jane said flatly. After the door was closed, Agatha let out an exasperated sigh. She's not very happy with the move. I'm not supposed to know, but she was dating my grandson at one point. Apparently it didn't work out. I'm sure she's unhappy that she'll have to see him more frequently again. Ah, does he live with his parents? I asked. Agatha cackled and slapped her knee. Oh my god, no. Absolutely not. David loves his parents, but quite frankly, the apple fell off the tree and rolled away with that one, although he stops by to check on his family quite frequently. Have you told him what you're experiencing? I asked. No, I haven't told my family, and I won't either. Not until I need to. It will be their turn soon enough. Best to let them live while they can, she said sadly. I don't mean to be insensitive, but maybe you misheard those people. No, I didn't mishear anything. I understand why you're asking, truly, but this is real. After the countdown, I was concerned. I sought out medical and mental health input. I tried to convince myself that it was truly stress related. I had a full neurological workup, which came back normal. At my age, you can't be too careful. The day after the countdown, I started hearing footsteps at night in my apartment. Jumping and running and skipping. When I'd wake up, I'd find everything in its place. Later in the day, though, without fail, something awful would happen. Small at first, like when my daughter-in-law fell down the stairs and broke her arm. Over the past few weeks, things have escalated quickly. Every evening I hear those footsteps. I knew something awful was about to happen. Never to me directly. Whatever this curse is, it knows to hit me where it hurts the most. My family. A tree fell on my son while he was riding in the golf cart about the premises. He was in the hospital for several days and sustained a concussion. Our family dogs were accidentally let out of the gate, and all five of them were found dead by the side of the main road the next day. Two days ago, there was a dispute between two of our staff members who have known for years. It resulted in a death at our residence. I blame myself. I should have respected Richard's request, but I just wanted some peace and freedom. Agatha reached up and began twirling her pearls absent-mindedly. None of this is your fault. I am so sorry you and your family have gone through so much. That's just horrible. I blinked back tears. Agatha was clearly concerned, but in a resigned way. Well, that's very kind of you to say, Copeland. Agatha said, patting my hand as she rose. Footsteps began to skip down the hallway. Agatha gave me a sideways glance, and I nodded once in acknowledgement. The footsteps stopped abruptly at the entryway to the parlor. We both stood there, looking at each other for several seconds. I know it's ridiculous, but I'm so glad you hear them too. I asked Jane once, and after the look she gave me, I won't ask again. I'm so sorry I took up so much of your time. We didn't even get to the estimate. Please email me the details. I trust you. I'll be leaving this afternoon to live in the guest house. I can't bear another tragedy. Thank you for getting this home into order for me next week. It's no problem, truly. I look forward to it, I said, not meaning it. If I heard those footsteps while I was by myself, I might really pee my pants. Let me walk you out, Copeland she said, guiding me to the front door. Perhaps you can also do some specialty cleaning at Banfield Residence. Yeah, that's not going to happen, I thought. We reached the foyer, and I held out my hand for a shake. Instead, Agatha pulled me into a back-breaking hug. For such a small woman, she was remarkably strong. My goodness, I almost forgot. Here's a picture of my handsome grandson. I'm serious now, please give it some thought. You two would be perfect for each other, Agatha gushed, walking over to pick up a silver frame. The picture was from a wedding, a happy moment frozen in time. Agatha and her late husband, Richard, were smiling, facing towards the camera. Another couple, who appeared in their mid-sixties, were smiling and holding up champagne glasses. In the middle of the two couples stood a handsome man with thick, dark hair and a lopsided grin. She tapped the glass, pointing to him. There's my David. David. See, I told you he was handsome, she beamed. He certainly is handsome, I said, through a haze of confusion and shock. Her grandson, David, was diver. Thank you for listening to Polish and Screen. If you enjoy Polish and Screen, please think about giving us a good review. If you'd like to get in touch, shoot us an email at polishandscreampodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Polish and Scream is created by M. Dawson with support from Becker Rhodes.